0: So, uh, this paper builds on my previous work um, on democracy and authoritarianism in the Arab world, which conceptualizes authoritarianism as a hegemonic system. So, uh, building on the, well, using the concepts of uh, Antonio Gramsci, hegemony is the existence of a consensus amongst ordinary people about the naturalness of exploitative and oppressive relations of power. Okay, so of course this is not just limited to the Egyptian context. We are all uh, living in, um, we're all living in hegemonic systems uh, but with different names, obviously. Um, Okay, so, uh, in my work I argue that authoritarian rule in Egypt developed as a hegemonic system in response to the legacies of colonialism and the struggle against it, as well as the challenges of post-independence nation-state building. Um, I focused particularly on this idea of a project of national modernization, which was formulated as a response to the legacies of colonial domination. Um, As well as, um, and, and that's colonial domination not only in a political, military, economic sense, but also in a moral and cultural Sense uh, and here we can draw also on the work of Edward Said, who also uses Antonio Gramsci in his own work. Modernization and national sovereignty were regarded as mutually reinforcing objectives. National modernization was believed to lead to freedom from colonial domination, thereby enabling national sovereignty. So um, I think this, these themes of national modernization and national sovereignty. Um, Have continued um, and are themes actually that underpin a lot of the discussions today in Egypt. Against this backdrop, the January 25th revolution represented the popular expression of the final break with the hegemony uh, of the post independence regime. The regime, but not necessarily all of the ideas that originally. Um, uh, began uh, after 1952. In the terminology of Antonio Gramsci, the 25th of January Revolution constituted a war of maneuver against a deeply unpopular regime. That means it was an attack on the edifices of Mubarak's regime and its symbols. And it's interesting that uh, Sarim mentioned yesterday about the, you know, the, um, visuality of the Egyptian revolution, and I'm sort of uh, capitalizing on that to just show some, I think, what become iconic images of the, of the revolution. Uh, however, uh, Gramsci differentiated between a war of maneuver and a war of position. Um, so a war of position is an intellectual and cultural attack on hegemony in the post-Mubarak era. Um so, if I said that last sentence wrong. So, uh, so, in the post-Mubarak era, there is a war of position being waged against authoritarianism, which is viewed by Egypt's revolutionaries as continuing despite Mubarak being forced out of power. The idea of, of this war of position is encapsulated, I think, in the phrase, the revolution continues, which is also a phrase that's been used a lot in this workshop. The war of position is largely being waged in public spaces and through the media The central target of these struggle, struggles I argue is intrinsically linked to this post-colonial predicament of defining the nation as prerequisite for defining a new national modernization project and affirming national sovereignty um, so important debates um, that have arisen in the post-embark era are linked to these efforts to define Egyptian identity, to define what is Egypt. Um, So, for example, the debates over the degree of religion that should be allowed in the public sphere, the position of the Coptic Christians within the nation, the relationship between Egypt and the West, the position of women um, and the relationship between state and nation, um, which I think is also very similar to what Heather Raul was talking about, about juxtaposing the state and the republic, I mean, I call it the nation. Examining these wars of position is important, I think, in attempting to understand the possibilities that exist for constructing a new hegemony in post mubarak Egypt. All right, so due to severe time limitations, I'm just going to use gender as my main lens through which to view some of these debates. Okay, so, despite claims that men and women have participated in the Egyptian revolution side by side, wanting the same objectives of freedom and justice, nevertheless, images of women, as well as notions of masculinity and femininity, have played an important role within the revolution. An impassioned plea by a young Egyptian woman called Asma Mahfouz, which went viral on YouTube at the beginning of 2011 often claimed to have persuaded Egyptians to go to the streets on the 25th of January to demonstrate. Now I'm not saying that Asma Mahfouz caused the Egyptian revolution or that she's influential amongst Egyptians uh, but I think it's important to look at the language that she uses in her in her um, in her weblog. So she said if you think yourself a man come with me on 25th of January Whoever says that women should not go to protests because they will get beaten, let him have some honor and manhood and come with me on January 25th." In challenging Egypt's men to join her in demonstrations, Mahfouz provided an implicit critique of of the state of gender under Mubarak's regime, suggesting that men have become like women fearing being beaten, whilst women like Mahfouz have become like men, courageously facing up to police brutality for the sake of freedom. In the course of the Egyptian uprising, Egyptians sought to reclaim their dignity and reclaim their nation. One of the famous slogans of the revolution is, hold your head high, you're Egyptian. Tahrir Square was awash with Egyptian flags, as banners, as headbands, and painted on faces. This search for, um, or this reclamation of uh, a new Egyptian identity was a gendered identity, and I guess this very much fits with what I was saying about the um, remaking of, of gendered bodies. Themes of bravery, honor, and pride were common amongst many placards portrayed in Tahrir Square as Karima Haril's book, "The <coughs> Messages from Tahrir, depicts. So in her book, she's got a picture of a group of young men photographed uh, holding a large Egyptian flag. Um, and uh, upon the flag is written, my country, I'm sorry it took me so long, implying that the young men had finally come to rescue Egypt, this maiden in distress. A man carried a placard saying, it is an honor for me, referring to the injuries to his face sustained during clashes with uh, regime thugs. Another young man held up a placard saying, I wish I'd die for Egypt. Finally, um, another man, sorry, oh, I didn't have that placard. Sorry, I thought I had another picture of this placard. So I, I thought, sorry. Um, another man wrote on his placard, mm. I used to be afraid. I became Egyptian. Photographs and images of the revolution often depict young men in pitched battles with the police and defending Tahrir Square. During the 18 days of Tahrir Square, men, young men were depicted as heroes and those who died have been memorialized as martyrs. Since the 18 days of Tahrir Square, however, um, there's been a change, I think, in the, in the state, state media discourse. Although there have been a number of protests where, uh, which have been violently attacked by police and the army and defended young... By However, this notion of the brave young revolutionary has been increasingly uh, replaced with um, depictions of these men as, uh, as thugs undermining the revolution. Whilst on the other hand, the state uh, apparatus of coercion is represented as the forces that are safeguarding the revolution. Oops, sorry. Um, as a martyr. For Scaf and other members of the political elite, the 25th of January revolution was the 18 days in Tahrir Square. Now, Egyptians. Uh, want to return to normalcy and uh, they should stop protesting they should go home these protests are no longer deemed legitimate and we see the validation and the demonization of particular types of masculinity as part of the struggle over the definition of the revolution itself and and when that revolution uh, and a sort of time in the space of that revolution Images of women have similarly played an important role in defining the revolution since the fall of Huston Mubarak and I briefly want to talk about three particular images of women. The empowered revolutionary, the victim of Scath and the mother of the martyrs. Uh, so, The empowered revolutionary woman protesting in Tahrir Square was a regular feature of images of the Egyptian revolution. In, in the western media in particular, these images played um, an important role. In terms of uh, signifying the progressiveness of the revolution, um, you know, and it was juxtaposed to you know historical stereotypes of the oppressed uh, Muslim woman. For the revolutionaries themselves, I think that some of these assumptions also underpinned um, the importance of having women's presence in uh, in the in the protests. Um, I think in the West, however, the debates have, have turned and now. Um, there's a sort of uh, discourse about how you know, women were there in the revolution, but now women are losing all their rights. Um, I think also one of the mistakes that Western observers have often made is to conflate women's agency with feminist desires, um, whilst in reality uh, women revolutionaries are motivated by a variety of uh, strands of thinking, and feminism may be of actually quite small... Uh, part of these different strands. Um, (coughs) Um, Western media narratives um, that have (coughs) created women's agency in the revolution with progress in women's rights have now um, given way to a narrative that women are the biggest losers, blah, 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 blah. Um, And there's been, you know, discussion about the uh, very dubious uh, parliamentary quota for women that was introduced in 2005, and the danger of the Hula law being, um, being uh, cancelled. Um, but I think what's more important is that the legitimacy of the Egyptian female revolutionary has been contested itself by SCAF and by the state media. And uh, in particular, mother spoke about this yesterday, the, the use of sexualized violence against women protesters um, has been used to send a message to the Egyptian public that again public protests have no place in post-phoric Egypt the revolution finished it was the 18 days in the career um, these women uh, should not be out in the public sphere anymore um, and I think that the, you know the Obviously, the, this is another became another iconic image. Um, uh, again, to um, illustrate the, uh, the the severity of the sexual violence that's being used against women. Um, but again, I think Model also uh, talks very well this over how um, you know the, the attempts to domesticate women, whether these are through legal reforms. Um, or by this very um, brutal coercion, are actually two sides of the same coin in, in terms of again, uh, delegitimizing um, the continuation of protest, the continuation of the revolution. Uh, okay. All right. In response, revolutionaries have promoted their own counter narratives, mm-hmm. which also revolve around women. So the case of Samira Ibrahim, who uh, was subjected to so-called virginity tests. Her mother spoke about this uh, yesterday. Uh, her case has been supported by revolutionaries, um, simultaneously highlighting women's victimization by scat, as well as a symbol of society's victimization. So I think that the links are being made there. Um, and also uh, celebrating the the courage of women like Samira Ibrahim as um, in order to serve an example to others. And in terms of an example of courage. Another image that is much more ambivalent um, about uh, women's agency is uh, the image of the the mother of the martyrs. And gosh, I really apologize that I've got my, uh, I've got five minutes. I haven't got my images in the right order. Um, Okay, so this is the image of the the mother of the martyrs. So here female agency has been reduced to that of a grieving mother for her dead child. Her tears are a symbol of the sacrifices that have been made for the revolution. Simultaneously, they incite onlookers to to continue the revolution in order to avenge the martyrs. Examining the two images together, so the image of um, the, um, the 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 woman victimised at the hands of Scath, but also reinscribing her victimisation by, for example, uh, taking a court case against Scath. Uh, next to, you know, the image of the grieving mother, um, both of these images <coughs> are meant to symbolise the sacrifices that have been made for the revolution. So, so women, women's sacrifices are being sort of used in a symbolic way um, in order to uh, symbolize the sacrifices of society for the revolution, and also as a means of encouraging others to sacrifice and to continue the revolution. They raise questions about the degree to which a war of position is being waged to challenge existing gender relations, or whether existing gender relations are being re-inscribed in revolutionary ways. Perhaps I think both things are happening at the same time, which is part of the messiness of uh, this, this current period. Alright, so now I come to another image um, of uh, Ali Al Mahdi, a.k.a. The, the naked blogger. Her act of publishing herself think. naked on her blog elicited a lot of debate and condemnation from a lot of quarters Um, You know, many of those were obviously the usual suspects, but also, interestingly, some revolutionaries themselves, who argued that she was guilty of reinforcing the stereotypes of female revolutionaries as whores, you know, like, these are women who don't have a place, um, that shouldn't have a place in the public sphere. April 6th Movement, in fact, publicly denied that she was a member of their organisation. The reactions, I think, to Matthew demonstrate the limits to the war of position that's being waged, but also illustrate how far things have changed in post mubarak Egypt. Um, I think, for me, this image uh, would have been unthinkable um, before uh, the 25th of January revolution. Alright, so, so she is the last image. Okay. So to briefly sort of wrap up, the contestation over the definition of Egyptian womanhood and manhood are intrinsic to the struggles over the Egyptian nation and the future of Egypt's polity including you know the ideas of what is the revolution and when and when is the revolution and where is the revolution we see a terrain that's in flux where new gender identities are being created but also existing ones are being resurrected or re-inscribed but in new contexts so it's a very messy picture and the battle has not yet been won thank you